This is The Celluloid Ceiling, a podcast about women in film, starting from the early days of Hollywood all the way up to modern cinema. Take a journey with me, your host, Becca, as I explore all the different facets of filmmaking and all the amazing women making these films. Hey everybody, welcome back to The Celluloid Ceiling. This is going to be just a quick bonus episode for the movie Promising Young Woman. Uh, I haven't actually done a bonus episode in a while, so might as well go out out of, of season one on a few bonus episodes. I was finally able to watch this movie over the weekend that it actually came out on demand, and I have actually been waiting for this movie since I saw a trailer for it while I went to go see Birds of Prey, so I think that was like February of last year, and it kept getting pushed back, obviously, because of the pandemic, but it did technically come out on, I believe, December 25th, 2020. This episode may contain some spoilers about the movie, and I'm just going to say right now there is a trigger warning because I will mention sexual assault, so if that makes you uncomfortable, please feel free to not continue listening. Promising Young Woman is a 2020 film written and directed by Emerald Fennell, starring Carey Mulligan and Bo Burnham. Here's a little something about the director Emerald. She's an English actress, author, screenwriter, and director. She's best known as the showrunner for the second season of the BBC America thriller series Killing Eve, which is something I really want to watch and I haven't done yet, which earned her two Primetime Emmy Award nominations. She's also known for her performances in film and television, which include The Crown, Call the Midwife, Anna Karenina, Albert Nobbs, and Vita and Virginia. And 2020 is her directorial debut, which is Promising Young Woman. In 2008, Fennell was commissioned to write a script, which was co-produced by Madeline Lloyd Webber, called Chucka, and it's a romantic comedy about a group of teenagers who fight the closure of their school by taking on the rich kids at a game of polo. Her first novel was published by Bloomsbury Children's Books in January 2013, Shiverton Hall, a children's fantasy. In December 2012, it was released as an ebook by Bloomsbury USA. The Creeper, a sequel, was published in mid-2014. ISFDB catalogs them as the Shiverton Hall series. It was shortlisted for the Waterstones Children's Book Prize in 2014. She then released Monsters in September 2015, her first adult horror book. In July 2018, it was announced that Fennell was hired by her close friend Phoebe Walker-Bridge as head writer for the second season of the BBC America series Killing Eve, replacing Waller-Bridge, who remains as a producer. Fennell wrote six episodes for the season. Fennell also became one of the show's executive producers. Speaking to the New York Times, Fennell said, quote, Phoebe and I were together in the past, and we've been friends for nearly 10 years. We met on the film Albert Knobs, which we both had tiny parts in. I started in the very early days as a writer in the season two writer's room. Because it's such an unusual show, that a very loose writer's room for a week just to see, and then wonderfully and luckily for me, they promoted me to head writer, end quote. The second season began broadcast in April 2019. At the 71st Primetime Emmy Awards, Fennell was nominated for the Primetime Emmy Award for Outstanding Writer for a Drama Series for the Season 2 episode Nice and Neat. In January 2019, it was announced Fennell would write and direct Promising Young Woman, starring Carrie Mulligan. Production began in 2019, and the movie premiered at Sundance Festival to critical acclaim. As of April 2020, the film holds a 93% score on Rotten Tomatoes, with the critics' consensus reading, A boldly provocative, timely thriller, Promising Young Woman is an auspicious feature debut for writer-director Emil Fennell, and career highlight for Carrie Mulligan. End quote. She also produced the film along with producers including Margot Robbie and her Lucky Chap Entertainment production company. 
In January 2020, Andrew Lloyd Webber announced that he would collaborate with Fennel on a new musical, Cinderella, which was planned to open in London in May 2021. So that's just a little bit about Emerald Fennel, who, for her debut, for this to be her directorial debut, is kind of amazing because it was such a fantastic film that I liked a lot. I have been, like I said, highly anticipating this film, and I was not disappointed in any way, shape, or form. The movie was fantastic. I loved a lot about it. From the soundtrack, to the color palette, to the cinematography, it was a pleasure to watch the entire time. And the movie ends in a way that is totally unexpected, but still just as satisfying. Uh, I was trying to guess the entire way through, like, what, how this was going to end, because everything I had read or seen, or even my sister was saying, like, I can't believe the ending. So I was, like, trying to guess all these different things, and I was completely wrong. This is a story that all women are familiar with, unfortunately. Um, and according to RAIN, which is the Rape, Abuse, and Incest National Network, one in six American women have been a victim of attempted or completed rape in their lifetime. It's a, it's a hard sort of subject, but you never luckily see any of that happen, um, which is very different from other sort of sexual assault-based revenge films. This is, you've never, you never ever see the act take place. In fact, you actually never see Nina, the character that it happens to, other than pictures of her. So it is the character, Nina, is who is the one who is sexually assaulted, who is the best friend of Carrie Mulligan's character, Cassie. And everyone around the character of Nina is affected in different ways, whether that's not at all, like her um, rapist, or her sexual... It's assumed rape, um, but also not at all like her friend who was friends with her at the time, except for Cassie. Cassie is the most affected and completely changed from the experience. So because of this experience, she has a interesting path to revenge in the sense that she goes out and you get this from the trailer she goes out pretends to be drunk to teach the quote-unquote nice guys a lesson about consent and it's quite and actually when i was watching amanda the jedi's video about this just yesterday so um and she brought out a lot of interview clips with emerald fennel and and carrie mulligan and emerald fennel said that she wanted this to be a slightly different take on a revenge film in a way that you would actually see a woman enacting her revenge. And Cassie's revenge is 100% psychological. And I would consider this, in a sense, a feminist film because, you know, she's taking the power herself and, and doing what she believes she can for her best friend. But it doesn't, it's not the best coping mechanism for her because she you could tell that she's not the same person there's a line in there that her dad says like when she starts dating Bo Burnham's character that they're glad to have her back like they miss Nina as well but they're glad to have her back so you know that she's an entirely different person at that point I mean she the whole point is she drops out of med school she's working in a cafe now and she just keeps telling everyone oh no I didn't want to be a doctor this is what I wanted to do and yeah, the way she handles the grief of her childhood best friend is, I mean, look, all girls want a friend like Cassie who is quite literally willing to go above and beyond and do whatever it takes to make sure that her best friend is sort of avenged in a sense. Um, but Cassie is not flawless. She's incredibly flawed. And I think that that makes this movie so good is because 
you're rooting for Cassie, but you're also sort of like appalled by what she's doing, even though in some sick way we all want to see people pay for this, but it's also she's not just affecting the people who sexually assaulted um, Nina. It is everybody around her who didn't believe her or let it slide. So it's men and women. It's not just saying like, all men are bad. No, no, no. That's not the point of this movie at all. It's men and women who allow this to continue to happen. I mean, and it takes place in a college setting. When I went to college, there was a lot of un, not undocumented attempts of sexual assault, but just sort of kicked under the rug because they were athletes or that nobody wanted to know. And I didn't know any of these people personally, but I had friends who knew about it. So this isn't something that's, it's not fantastical. It's, it's not like I spit on your grave either. It's just, it's something, to, which is another revenge film if nobody knows what that is. Um, it's just something totally different. Anyway, like I said, this is such a different revenge film about women and sexual assault because there is no gory murder like I spit on your grave on Cassie's part and it's cleverly shown that while she leaves so there's the beginning scene where she is picked up by Adam Brody at a club and you see sort of what happens in that night but it just cuts to her walking down the street the next day and there's this red stain on her leg and then you're like oh god there's blood on her leg but then the camera pans up and she's just eating something and it's red and it's spilling down her arm and her leg. So it's it's kind of a really fun way to subvert expectations which this film does phenomenally throughout and it's in, in every way possible, especially the end. But I don't want to give all of the plot of the movie away because I think that everybody should go watch this if um, sexual assault is not triggering to you in any way. I would definitely give this a watch. It's a viscerally, like, it's a visceral film because, like, you you feel so many emotions and you're excited, but you're upset. And it's it's a dark movie. It's not a comedy. There are comedic moments, but this is, this is a heavy subject matter film. I do want to point out the camera work in this movie because it was stunning. There are so many different shots that are so uncomfortable to watch, whether it's the way that the people are framed, which is like, it it just has such odd framing devices that are so unnatural that it makes the viewer, at least it made me a little bit uncomfortable because you're so used to having sort of like a a squeaky queen cleaned (laughs) look to things. Like you're used to your, the films being composed in a certain way, shots, sorry, being composed in a certain way. But then this movie would have characters like really off to the side or have like really low shots, really high shots. They would sometimes cut off characters' heads. And this isn't like a high school filmmaker who can't, who doesn't know what they're doing. It's purposely done this way. And there's so many great tracking shots and long shots and really great push-ins that just that almost make you feel like you're sitting like a fly on the wall and you're leaning closer and closer and closer in to try and figure out what's going on. It was, it's just incredible. I, I, I loved the way they were framed and it's, it's done, it's done in a beautifully, beautifully shot way. It was a wonderfully shot film. I also love how colorful this movie is. Like I said, despite it being such a heavy subject matter, it is so colorful from like the color of Cassie's nails, which are sort of rainbow colored and the diner she works in has all the fun neon colors, but all the desserts are so colorful. 
And then Cassie wears very colorful clothing, mostly pinks and blues when she's not out uh, doing her sort of like revenge plot at night. She's wearing a lot of pinks and florals and blues and really light colors and, the, and she lives with her parents. Her parents' home is also very colorful, like pinks, mostly pinks and blues. And you see the, the pink and blue becomes her color because she starts wearing pink and blue. Uh, and Bo Burnham's character also, Ryan, I believe his name is, Ryan also wears blue too. So they like complement each other very well. So it's a really nice color palette thing to see. And then you know, like I said, she wears black and other colors when she's actually out doing her sort of revenge thing. Anyway, I wanted this to be just a super quick kind of little bonus episode about this movie because I I loved it. I really think that everybody should go see it, or I guess you can't, like, it's out in theaters technically, but it's still, we're still in a pandemic. So rent it if you can. It was incredibly well done. Also, we should still be you know, supporting these female filmmakers. It's her, it's so hard to, to get, you know, views, especially right now. And this is a great way to support Emerald Fennel. And she actually makes an appearance in the movie. Um, I won't say um, when, you just have to find it yourself. But she does appear in the movie. And it's really cool that the um, production company is Margot Robbie. So like we have talked about, you know, Birds of Prey on this um, podcast before. And yeah, it was just very good. I really enjoyed it. So hopefully that this kind of inspires you to want to go see it. It's not your typical revenge film. I was shocked at the end. So, um, but it was, like I said, still incredibly satisfying, like in, a, in a, just a, such a different way. But go ahead, check that out because I think, I think you'll like it. I, I, I liked it a lot. Anyway, thanks for listening. I might do another bonus episode, probably about Wonder Woman as well, but this is wanted to be a super quick one because, you know, talking for hours and hours, <laughs> it kind of hurts my throat now since I don't really talk to anybody because I'm, I quarantine alone and every once in a while I talk, but not at length. So when I do these like 40, 30 minute long episodes, I'm like dying at the end. So this is, this is a nice short episode, but thanks so much for listening. Uh, stay healthy, stay safe. Bye. This has been The Celluloid Ceiling, a podcast researched, created, and edited by me. Special thanks to my dad, Mark Castaneda, for doing the music. 